Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of, of Mark. You know, we've been doing a series on the subject of the laws of God understanding the laws of God. We've been covering quite a few of them, and I want to encourage every one of you to go online and listen to them because they'll help you. Uh, and I'm, I'm not talking about the Levitical law. We know it as the Mosaic law. Uh, I'm not talking about Old Testament law. I'm talking about New Testament law. And uh, the New Testament law says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the second is likened unto it, and thy neighbor as thyself. So those are the, that is the law, uh, uh, that is the law that we are um, responsible to carry out. And everybody say amen to that. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus is about to teach a massive crowd of believers. Uh, when it says multitude, uh, in, in other translations it uses the word plural, multitudes, meaning there are literally thousands and thousands of Jews that had come. I mean, it, there were so many that it literally shook the foundation of Judaism. It literally shook the foundation of, um, of what the Israelites had been following for 3,000 years. And now here they are, hearing a, a new message from one called the Messiah. One they had been believing for, but one that they were not accepting. Oh, there were some, but of course, most of the Jews weren't. And... Um, so he is about to teach them, and he requests a boat, uh, and simply for this reason, to use the boat as a pul- pulpit, but also the water as an amplification system so that his word would carry to all the people so they could hear him. And verse 2 says, he taught them many things by parables. A parable, parable is simply a natural story to reveal a spiritual principle or truth. He always used natural things to help us understand spiritual things. And that's what the parable, uh, today we're going to talk about the law, uh, the law of seed, uh, the law is plural, of seed time and harvest. There is a law called seed time, but there's another law connected to it called a harvest. How many are glad that there's a harvest, not just seed time? Amen. And God designed that to benefit us. You remember, God is not, he's, he's the self-sufficient one. He doesn't need anything in the sense, you know, everything, uh, everything is his. But he had, when he created us in his image and likeness, he had us in mind and wanted us to live like him. Amen. I said, God wanted us to live like him. Amen. Amen. Then that one of those is to be blessed in every area of our lives. Now, this specific parable has everything to do with your life in mind, from our past to our present, and, and more importantly, to our future, this parable here. And... Uh, if you've, uh, now, when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping, we call it the law of seed time and harvest, the law of sowing and reaping, they're the same. When it comes to this, if you've ever sown a seed into the ground and you've witnessed the, the process of the different stages of plant growth, uh, and then uh, most likely you have witnessed the most exciting thing about sowing, and that is that plant grows up and brings you a harvest. Can I have an amen? And what's so beautiful about God's care for us is that is this, that when he gave us a seed, that seed has the power to germinate and produce a yield of 30, 60, and 100-fold. Ron, Ron knows that. He farms. So he understands. And Ron gets excited about the 100-fold. Hallelujah. Now, he'll be happy and grateful for the 30 and the 60, but the 100-fold is what God ultimately wants us to have in our lives. If you believe that, shout a good amen. Amen. 
He really does. He wants you blessed. Say, God wants me blessed. God wants me blessed. <clears throat> Amen. So after the great flood, and uh, the Bible says in Genesis 6, God gave this promise to Noah and his descendants, in which we are part of. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, uh, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So God was letting us know that there's something called seed time and harvest, and it'll work until the earth remains. And today it's working uh, very well. And uh, the parable of the sower is about seed time and harvest. It's about, literally, it's about farming. Say, I am a farmer. I am a farmer. Uh, you know, I, I, when we were raising a farm, uh, city kids would kind of make fun of us, you know, because, I mean, for, for sure we smelt like the farm. If you milk cows, you cannot get that stink out of your body. It, it, it gets into your skin and into your pores. So we always had a, a fragrance that was not sweet smelling fragrance most people. But it's just the way it was. But they, city slickers, uh, kids, we call them, you know, kind of make fun of us farm kids. But I'm telling you, we understood the laws of sowing and reaping. And we understand that for you to profit and increase and have a blessed life that you had to, you had to sow. Uh, and listen, the harvest is determined by how well the farmer both prepares and manages the ground. Literally, the Spirit of God uh, spoke about the law of seed time and harvest in the book of Isaiah, here's what he said. And I want you to get this. Seek ye, say that's my part. That's my Amen. Part. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye, say that's my part. That's my Amen. Part. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked, now when I, I want you to add this, let the wicked child of God, because he's addressing Israel here. He's not addressing the world. Do you understand me? This word was given to God's people. It was not given to the world around them. So when he said, let the wicked, he means the child of God, let the wicked child of God, he says, let him forsake his, and I added own, his own way, and let the unrighteous child of God um, forsake his own thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. You can't return to some place you've never been before. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon that's a good place to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Since you've been a Christian with an uplifted hand because you're honest before God, how many have ever been in trouble more, uh, just uh, uh, in, in more, uh, you've been in trouble with God because you transgressed his word since you've been a believer? Raise your hand. I'll, I'll raise mine. I'll raise both. And the, what I love about this promise is that God, and I do, he knows, God knows that every day I thank him for that. Every day I thank him for his mercy. Every day I thank him that his compassions are new. Every day I thank him that his love is, long, is, is very long-suffering and, and that he really does. Uh, if we'll call upon him and be humble and broken before him, he'll respond with great mercy. Always remember that because the devil will tempt you to sin and then after you've, after you've committed the act, then he'll come upon you and heap great uh, um, coals of condemnation upon your life. And not, not that you should just use that as a practice for sin because, uh, you know, you will, um, the Bible says if you yield your instruments to sin, you'll become a servant of that. If you yield, so, your life. But I'm just saying, you know, how many want to live right before God? Raise your hand. Well, you're on the right track then. Hallelujah. If that's your desire, then God will grace you to, that, to do that. So, he says, um, he will have mercy uh, upon him to our God. He'll abundantly pardon. So, God wanted Israel to understand this. 
For them to reap a harvest of his presence, provision, and protection, spiritual preparation on their part was required. Now listen to this. Write this down if you want. Without spiritual preparation, the seed of God's promises won't reach their full potential. Isn't that good? I'll say it again. I, I write things down, and I'm just, I'm just as surprised when I'm writing them down as you when you hear for the first time. And I say, oh, God, that is so good. So kind of let me, let me know when you're hearing something that excites you, just let me know about her. Amen. Amen. I mean, burp. I mean, do something. I mean, do something to let me know you're alive and that you got blessed by that word. Amen. Let me say that again. It says, read that one more time because I wrote it down. Without spiritual preparation on our part, the seed of God's promises won't reach their full potential. Go, let's go on, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, um, and, and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is saying this, our ways and our thoughts will ultimately, here's what, here's what he's letting us know, our ways and our thoughts will ultimately produce a harvest for us. And, it's not, and that's not good. He's talking about our thoughts, our carnal thoughts, our worldly thoughts, our Adamic thoughts that come from this fallen nature, he knows that they will reap a harvest for us. So he, but he doesn't want that. He doesn't want the, uh, the bad for you. God only wants good for you. Can I have an amen? So the good news is he loved us and gave us his ways and his thoughts so that we could reap a harvest of his glory and goodness. He wanted us to have his thoughts. Oh, God, give us your thoughts. Come on, everybody, ask him. Lord, give me your thoughts. Amen. Lord, show me your ways. Amen. If you ask him, he'll do that. See, that's the thing. Even in prayer, God's been again reminding me lately, we, we don't pray right. We pray, um, oh, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving me uh, uh, your provision. Thank me for being with me. Thank you. Uh, why, why don't you ask him to be with you? Why do you assume in arrogance that you just throw things out there that he's responding why don't you sit down and just really talk to him and ask him some things? Lord, I really do need a miracle day. Sir, would you provide that miracle for me? So a lot of times, you know, we just get careless and we pray very selfish and disrespectfully. We don't mean it, but we do because we're not asking. We're just telling him. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, there's a purpose for the rain and the snow and returns not thither, but waters the earth. That's his purpose. And makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. You come to church and you say, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, you can make that excuse a couple times. But you make God a liar. You're saying, God, you're a liar because uh, um, I don't have a tithe to give. So therefore, you must be a liar. No, God will give you seed. He said he'd give you seed. Is God, is God tell the truth? Amen. He gives you seed, and then he gives bread to you. Praise God for that. He provides for you. Amen. Watch this. Uh, so, so, in the same way shall my word, or the spiritual seed of my will, will uh, shall be that goes forth out of my mouth. Or God is saying, I'm scattering it with my confession. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. See, God knows that words have power. We've talked about that we, not, not too long ago. That words have power and that every word you speak has a potential 
has a, has a, has a, potential, has a potential harvest. That you, you have to watch. Every word you speak will bring you a harvest. And I'm saying that to me because I, most of the time, most of the time in my life, I'm just telling you the way, I'm, just, I'm very transparent with people. Most of the time in my life, I'm always mad at me. Most of the time. I, I endeavor in my life not to blame anybody for anything in my life but me. Because that's the way it should be. That way you accept responsibility and not hoping that jerk sitting beside you will change so that, um, you know, life will be better. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm talking about the other church. No. I'm just saying that. See, we have to accept responsibility. Just accept responsibility that you can make things better. You can make things worse, but you can make things better. Can I have an amen? Just how you respond to the will of God um, in your life. Verse, um, uh, verse 10 out of the message. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so the words that come out of my mouth, uh, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Is that powerful or what? God said when he sends his word forth, it'll complete the assignment that he sent them to do. Back to Mark 4. And Jesus said to them, do you bring a lamp to put under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it, uh, put it on its stand? Again, there's this parable. What is he talking about? Well, what does the lamp stand for? There's a couple of things. The lamp stand is to give you light so you can have guidance in your life. But, but a lampstand, in this case, a lampstand is designed to reveal what's hidden in the dark. Listen, you can fake it on Sunday, but whatever you've been seated will come out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that's what he's saying. That's what a lamp is for. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It literally comes inside and exposes us for what we are so that we will repent and desire for who he is. Good stuff, huh? For whatever is hidden, this is verse 22, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What, what he's simply saying, he's, he's, this is a forewarning for, for God's people. Every word you speak will germinate and grow and will ultimately harvest what is really growing on the inside. Then Jesus revealed how the kingdom of God operates. He says, verse 28, or 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? He says, or what parable shall we use to describe it? Oh, excuse me, that's the second verse, excuse me. A man or a farmer scatters seed on the ground. This is the kingdom of God, how it operates. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Did you know that, do you know why God's never anxious? The reason God's never anxious is because he only speaks his word and therefore can rest, rest knowing that only good is going to come back unto him. Isn't that good? Amen. Only good is going to come back to him. That's why he can just be at peace and rest because he only speaks his word. And you know, he knows that his word is full of life. Amen. And life uh, uh, in abundance. Praise God. Now, 
He goes on, oh, let me finish this. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the, kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle uh, to it because the harvest has come. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say? What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? He gives us another example. It is like a mustard seed. I want you to catch this. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. There's not a smaller seed than a mustard seed. Okay, he's telling you that. But this is what the kingdom of God is like. How do we describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes. It grows and becomes. It grows and becomes. It grows and becomes. What's it become? The largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Here's what Jesus was saying. This is so good. Though the mustard seed of God's word seems so small and insignificant compared to the trials that you're facing in your life, mm -hmm, once it's in the environment conducive for germination, which is in your heart, it will grow and make a significant positive impact on your life. Hallelujah. See, that's what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to tell you, yes, I know, and I do know from personal experience. I understand. And when we walk into church, and I do, every morning, got here at 3 o'clock this morning, and I walk, and I pray over every seat, do it every, you know. And I, 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 once in a while, I tell the Lord, Lord, this is a, I'm not trying to be traditional, but I'm just anointing these seats that everyone that sits down, praise God, they'll go, whoo. <laughs> whoo. Because the anointing of God is there to minister to you, to bring you peace, to comfort you, to strengthen you, hallelujah, to heal you, to deliver you. Come on, everyone. Give God praise for that because the anointing is there right now. Yeah, it's there right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's there right now. It becomes the largest. Smallest becomes the largest. Back to Mark 4, verse 2. Now, this is the message. I love this translation. He taught by using stories, many stories. And he said, listen, what do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. No harvest. Some of it fell in gravel. It sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. No harvest. Some fell in the weeds as it came up. It was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it, no harvest. But some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest exceeding his wildest dreams. Now I'm all shout amen. Now that's, that's what we want. A harvest exceeding our, uh, our, uh, our, uh, our wildest dreams. Hallelujah. See, that was God's plan from the beginning. That, it really was. From the beginning to to make sure that if you have kids, I'm telling you, if you, can, if you have kids and they're good kids, lift your hand up if you believe that you like to bless them exceedingly beyond measure. Absolutely, you do. That's love. That's love being expressed. Well, I tell you right now, God's here far exceeds us in fatherhood than us men and in motherhood than, us, and, than, than the women. Can I have an amen? Sure. So he, that's his thought about us. He wants us to reap a harvest beyond our wildest dreams. Amen. But to reap a harvest of his will in your life, you're going to have to learn how to become a skilled farmer. Rod is a skilled farmer. Rod, we used to have a gentleman that wasn't far from us, and uh, he never, never sprayed his crops. Uh, I mean, back then we didn't spray, we had manure. But he never cultivated. 
And I'm telling you, it was a disaster. You'd have, you know, you'd have these beautiful fields all cultivated hardly. And we pulled, anybody pulled thistles and pulled, um, what else was in that? Be- the cockaburs. Oh, man, they'd get all over your pants, all over your socks. Oh, man, that was a mess. We'd have to walk down the rows and do that. Why? Because the harvest was determined by how clean that field was. It's the same in your life. The harvest is going to be determined by how clean the field is, how clean the soil of your spirit is in your life. Amen. I said amen. So God's kingdom is all about farming, and we know that from the scriptures. He was the first official farmer. How do we know? Genesis tells us. It says the Lord God planted a garden. He didn't have any servants do it. He didn't have Gabriel do it. He didn't have Michael do it. He did it. Does it not say that? The Lord God planted a garden? Amen. So he was the first farmer. The Bible says uh, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So Adam's provision came through, actually, not trying to be technical, but three spiritual laws. The law of seed time, the law of harvest, and the one more law called the law of Genesis. And the law of Genesis simply means everything produces after its own kind because God didn't want us confused. God didn't want you to go out and, 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 and uh, plant corn and reap beans. Amen. He, he wanted you to understand. And that's it is today. It's the same way today in your life. We wonder why sometimes life is so doggone miserable. Why is it so miserable? It's because we are sowing the wrong seed and reaping the wrong harvest. I mean, I'm just telling you that. We, and we know these things, but we need to be reminded of them. That we, if we're going to have a harvest of God-likeness, then we're going to have to sow uh, God's seed. Amen. I said amen. Listen, before Adam transgressed God's word, he lived in the fullness of God's presence and in the fullness of his, of his provision. Every need was met. I mean, he was wealthy, wealthy. There was gold in, in Eden. I mean, everything you would ever have need of was there. It was provision through, listen to me, there was provision in the garden for Adam throughout eternity. Now we know, and I, this is what I believe. Other preachers have preached differently, but I don't believe it's true. I don't believe that God gave Adam authority over the whole earth. He gave, authority over him, he gave him authority over the garden. And once he's faithful in little things, God would make him rule over much. Amen. We're really good. We're really good at straightening other people out. But not that qualified to straighten ourselves out. Amen. And so, you know, God wants your life blessed. He wants to bring the fullness of his presence back into your life. That's why Jesus came. The Bible says, John 10, I came that they might have, might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's what Jesus said. When he taught this parable of the sower, Jesus understood the law of sowing and the law of reaping and the law of Genesis. Now listen to this. Jesus understood the relationship with, between the seed and the ground. And that, this is what it was. For the supernatural process of germination to work, the seed had to become one with the soil. I'm saying things that you're going to have to stop and listen and maybe chew on and listen to this teaching again. Listen to this. For the supernatural process of germination, I'm talking about the word of God in your heart, for that process to work, the seed has to become one with the soil. John 12 
I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many, uh, it produces many seeds. Now let's take this spiritually. For redemption to take root within the spiritual soil of the human race, God himself would have to become one with the soil. What does that mean? He took on Adam's flesh life and then laid down his life for the sins of the world. So he became one with the soil. The Bible says, amen. The Bible says in Genesis 3, the, I mean, the moment Adam sinned, the Spirit of God spoke out his defeat through Jesus' victory. Here's what he said. So the Lord God, the second person of the Godhead, said to the serpent, this is your punishment. You are singled out among all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth uh, uh, to be cursed. You shall grovel in the dust as, as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. And from now on, you and the woman will be enemies, as will your offspring and hers. Now, you know why the world hates us? Because you're a child of God, and they're the child of the devil. You will, you will strike his heel. This is the good news, but he will crush. The word crush means to snap your head. The word head means your position of power. And the second those words left God's mouth, the promised seed was in the spiritual ground of his eternal destiny, and there was nothing the devil could do about it. John 1, 14, the word became flesh, or the word became one with the same, one with the same soil sinners were made of, and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Where did they see his glory? In his ministry, in his miracles. How many believe that the world needs to see the glory of God in the church? God did not God did not give us a place to worship just so we could have good feelings and that we could, that we could, just, be, uh, we could just feel good till next Sunday. God gave us a church so we could grow and become the likeness of him in an earth of people that are going to hell. Amen, amen. It's true. Every word Jesus spoke had a purpose. Listen, and it was, produce, it was, it was to produce faith, hope, and love. Every word he spoke. So in the beginning, farming was a profession God gave Adam. And for there to be a harvest of God's best, stewardship on Adam's part was required. Oh, now listen to this. You gotta, the value Adam, this is what God said to me, the value Adam placed on his relationship with God is what determined the quality of his life. Let me say it again. The value Adam placed on his relationship with God, the value Adam placed on his relationship with God is what determined the quality of his life. Now listen to this. The capacity of God's presence within his heart is, is what determined his harvest. I mean, you get the fullness of God's presence. You, you walk in love, you walk in mercy, you walk in, uh, in, in, um, in compassion, you walk in humility and subservience, that soil, praise God, is filled with the presence of God and surely will reap the character of God in your life. Thank you, God, for that. Hmm. Jesus said in John 15, he confirmed this, this is what I just shared with you, the capacity of God's presence within, within your heart is what will determine your harvest. Verse 1 uh, of John 15. I am the real vine. My father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. God wants you to bear more of his nature in your life. Jesus goes on. This is the Amplified. Dwell in me. That's the key to the God kind of life. And I will dwell in you. 
Jesus said, live in me and I will live in you just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding. I love this part, being, you, being vitally united to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and, and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Boy, that's true. You can do nothing but reap a harvest of the curse in your life. That's why Jesus came. It was to unite us with God so that we could be once again filled with his presence and provision. Mark 4. So in Mark the fourth chapter, we're going to get into this because we won't have time to get into the four different types of soil, and we will. But anyway, it reveals that the seed fell on four different conditions of soil. Hard soil, stony, thorny, and good. And then in verse 9, Jesus said this, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus wasn't referring to natural hearing when he said that. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Have you ever wondered why multitudes of believers go to church every week and they, they leave as unchanged as they came? I mean, what, 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 why? What, that, that, that's not right. When we leave church, there should, have some dumb, there should have been some degree of change in our lives. If you agree, say amen. They're listening, yet unable to hear what the Spirit is saying. And why? There's only one reason. Listen, they fail to prepare the soil of their own hearts. We come into church embittered. We come into church offended. We come to church full of worry, full of unbelief, full of sarcasm, full of division and strife. And why do I mention these things? Because that's all life is made up of. It's the relational side of life. So we're caught up in this, you know, this messed up inside. And if, we, and, and if, you, if, you, don't, if you don't prepare your heart, it will hinder you from receiving all that God has for you. Amen? That's why the Lord, well, Paul said it. He said, I mean, if there's any boasting in your life, boast in the Lord. Give him praise at all the good he's doing for you in your life. Amen. Hosea, he really had something to say about this. Hosea 10, he says this, sow for yourself, sow, that means seed, sow for yourselves according to righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, and reap according to mercy and loving kindness. He goes on and says this, break up, that's your part, break up your uncultivated ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, I love this, to inquire for and of him. And to require his favor till he comes and teaches you righteousness and reigns his righteous gift of salvation upon you. Isn't that beautiful? But you're the one that has to do the cultivation. Prepare your heart. Verse 13 goes on and says this. But, it, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sin. He's talking to Israelites. So God doesn't want that in your life. So to receive what the Spirit is saying in any given moment, you're the one that has to break up the fall of ground. Guess what? Cain didn't do that. If Cain would have just broken up the, the, the offense in his heart, just released that to God, he would have never killed his brother. Never. But he wouldn't deal with it, and therefore he, he got in trouble. Breaking up your spiritual soil within your spiritual ground comes by way of self-examination, humility, remorse, repentance, and reverence. These, things are that prepare, these are the things that prepare us inwardly. Then we're ready to to not only hear what the Spirit is saying, but to obey. You know, that, that teaching that went on, that is still going on today uh, by a very famous uh, preacher that you don't have to repent for your sins. I'm telling you, that's going to hurt the church. 
I mean, it's going to hurt the church. Because to me, that, that, all that does uh, in, in your heart is um, create uh, arrogance. I mean, who are we in the sight of God? I know we're children of God. You're dealing with, you're dealing with perfection and imperfection. I mean, not that we should be guilt-ridden, but when you go to God, you better, you better go to God with self-examination, not with outward examination, everyone else. Because if God changes your life, that's all that matters. I mean, in the sense, if he changes your life, then you, you'll be prepared to be a light to others that need it. Can I have an amen? I'll give you a quick story, then we're, we're going to wind this up. Luke 18. This is a story about spiritual preparation. Watch this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. They were better than everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. Ah, two, that's good, that's good. Two went to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was uh, a despised IRS tax collector. <laughs> he was. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a, I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, liar. I don't sin, liar. And I don't commit adultery, liar. I am certainly a lot like this IRS agent. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and, and I'm just telling you, Look what he says. This, it, it is important. I mean, it's impo- he says, I fast twice. I'm going to believe fasting is important when you're seeking the heart of God, but not when you're full of pride. I mean, giving a tenth of your income, I mean, that's important, but not if you're self-righteous. But he goes, the Bible says, the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift up his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. He's so sorry for the life he has lived. So sorry that he's fallen so short with God. And he's there for a reason. He's there crying out to God because inside he needs help. And he goes, God, be merciful to this rat beside me. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. Mark 4, verse 23. So Jesus says, if you have ears, listen. And be sure to put into practice what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand what I tell you. To him who has, and I added this because this is exactly what he's talking about. I added this. To him who has a good, receptive, and obedient heart. Because that's all, this, the parable of the sower is all about that. Him who has a good, receptive, obedient heart, shall be, uh, it shall be given. Uh, to him who has a good, receptive, obedient heart, shall be given. From him who has not a cultivated, good, receptive, obedient heart, shall be taken away even what he has. And it's true, you see that. You see that through the whole parable of the sower. Only one heart received a harvest, and that was a good, receptive heart, the Bible says. And we'll see that as we go along here. Now, I'm closing with this. Give me, give me four minutes here. Um, I shared this a little bit on Monday at prayer. Uh, we're all being, living from the north, living up in the north. We're all familiar with something, familiar with something called the Four Seasons. That is a singing group, but we're familiar with the Four Seasons. <laughs> Amen. Fall, spring, summer, and winter. And 
I'm, and we call them seasons. Why? How many are glad that winter isn't a season that lasts forever? I mean, in South Dakota. Now, there are days it seems like it does, but it doesn't. And what's neat about it is I get so excited about February. After the Super Bowl, you know, because spring is, spring is on the horizon. And so I get excited. And why do I get excited? That's just me personally. Why do I get excited? Because I don't like winter. I like spring. So let's talk about, parallel that with the spiritual life. Springtime. Springtime is beautiful because it's, it's, it's the time of resurrection. It literally is. I know we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, but it's the resurrection of everything that lay dormant in the ground and all of a sudden it comes to life. To me, that's a miracle. To me, it's a miracle that can be 30 below zero and those annual, no, uh, perennials, they come up. To me, that's a miracle. And I get so excited. I go out in my backyard. I've got, I don't know, I've got probably 100 plants all around the house. And, and I, I just dig away the, the dead stuff, and there's that beautiful little, you know, green thing growing out of the ground. And it's so exciting. Springtime spiritually. Oh, and then the rains come and waters that ground, and all of a sudden, you know, it just keeps growing and growing, and uh, God's giving it life, and, and it's so exciting because in the springtime, everything comes alive. And that's the way it is. Sometimes in the sea, there's seasons of your life, like a springtime. God is ministering you. You're being touched, and God is blessing you. You're seeing miracles in your life. You're seeing answered prayer, and it's so good. It's so good. But then what comes is summertime. In summertime, of course, the atmosphere changes, the weather patterns change, and here comes the storms. And so you're believing God, you know, that you're, you're, you're going to endure and get through this storm. Can I have an amen? And so I'm talking about spiritually. You know, the heat is on. Uh, isn't that interesting? Up north, we have something called humidity. But without, is that right? Without humility, you won't have a good corn crop, Right? You know, I, I hope I'm telling the truth in that. I think that's true. Humility, I, uh, I mean, humidity. That works, that works too. Humidity. I'm going to, you got laughing at me. I'm going to call some of you up here and preach on Sunday. And say, well, amen. And then we'll put a rubber mat here just in case something comes out of your leg. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Humility. Humility. No, humidity, humidity, that's it. It's just the intense heat, and it's so uncomfortable. And you know, when you're going through trials, you feel that. You feel the intense heat of, of relational pressures, the intense heat of, of emotional pressure, the intense heat of financial pressure. You feel that heat, but oh God, thank you, that fall is coming. Amen. I planted my seed in the ground, and I'm believing you that I'm gonna reap a harvest. And fall comes and you're all excited because you see a breakthrough and all of a sudden you're excited because the blessings are coming into your life. And then what follows fall? Winter. <laughs> and winter time is tough because winter time means it seems like in the natural everything dies. I mean, even the poor trees. I feel sorry for the trees. They lose their leaves. They're just standing out there naked. Oh! <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, you, it's just life gets so uncomfortable and cold, you know. You're not hearing from heaven. Nothing seems to be working. Things around you seem so dead. Even, you know, and what do you do during that time? You trust God. Why? Because it's only a season and springtime is coming. Can I have an amen? You're trusting God. 
And I just want to encourage all of you in that because, hey, there are seasons for a reason. God put them there, but seasons change. And thank God every season has their blessings. At wintertime, it kills all, isn't that right? Doesn't wintertime kill a lot of the bacterias and stuff or, that are, that are in, you know, in the atmosphere? So there's a good reason for winter. God didn't plan that to make you suffer. He planned it for, to benefit our lives. And so I just want to encourage you this morning when it comes, you just make sure that you are preparing the soil of your heart every day and that you're crying out to God, calling on him, reading his word, feeding the, feeding, uh, remember Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth that you shall live by. That's what Jesus said when he was tempted in that area. Can I have an amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.